This is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am chief. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. I'm Jason Garcia, and this is Faithful Sayings. Well, good morning and thanks for tuning in. It's good to be with you uh, today. Uh, and, uh, you know, amidst this uh, holiday season, there's a lot of uh, excitement and a lot of, um, you know, the people celebrating or getting ready, ready to celebrate with family. And uh, a lot of people look at this time of year as uh, special for a number of different reasons, uh, some for religious reasons. There's lots of traditions, of course, with the Christmas tree and putting the lights up and, you know, there's Christmas music on the radio. It's uh, a lot of people's favorite time of year. It's one of my favorite times of, of year. Uh, but I think at the same time, there's a lot of misinformation that is associated with uh, the Christmas holidays, and a lot of it can be found in songs and in our culture and just uh, traditions surrounding, I think, the the birth of Jesus. And so I want to talk a little bit about that uh, this this morning, uh, explore some of that with you, what the Bible has to say, what it doesn't say about uh, about Christmas and uh, really dig into that with you. You know, it's, um, uh, you know, we might see signs uh, telling us this time of year, you know, put Christ back into Christmas and or uh, people claiming that uh, Christmas has become too commercialized and that we are overlooking the real meaning, quote unquote, of, of Christmas. And, and some preachers and many churches are asking, you know, what are you going to give Christ on his on his birthday? And, you know, and churches are organizing plays and, uh, you know, musical pieces and cantatas and programs and all these different things uh, because we're so, in, and a lot of people are just so enraptured with this this time of year. Uh, again, for a lot of reasons, but for the most part and for the sake of our study, we're going to be talking about the, the religious reasons that many people associate with uh, Christmas Day or the Christmas holidays. Uh, most people love the story of the nativity, the, they love uh, baby Jesus uh, but it's it's you know it's the demanding and challenging adult Jesus that a lot of people find too uncomfortable comfortable to deal with. But even in this time of year, a lot of people who aren't uh, wouldn't consider themselves religious are okay with uh, you know the the nativity stories and and going along with plays and things like this. You know, there's a scene in in a movie called Talladega Nights, and and if you haven't seen it, it's a it's a Will Ferrell movie. But the there's a scene in which the whole movie is lampooning, you know, the redneck race car uh, driver, which of course is a, a stereotype. But you know, that's Will Will Ferrell's character is named Ricky Bobby, and he's meant to to lampoon uh, that that archetype, that kind of character. And so there's a scene at at during the holidays when they're gathered around the table, and Ricky Bobby is praying, and uh, he says, "Dear eight pound six ounce newborn baby Jesus and golden fleece diapers." And then, you know, someone else at the table interrupts him and says, you know, that Jesus was a man and he had a beard and, and things like this. And and then Ricky Bobby says, well, I like the baby version the best. And, you know, it's it's a ridiculous movie for a lot of reasons. I don't even know that I can recommend it. But I, I just I just use that quote to illustrate, I think, what a lot of people feel in reality. And that is, is that they like the baby version of Jesus. You know, he's benign and it's a sweet story and there's all these traditions surrounding it and uh, Christmas, you know, tons of Christmas carols about uh, baby, baby Jesus. And, uh, you know, it might come as a surprise, I think, to a lot of people that uh, nowhere in the New Testament are we commanded 
to observe to observe December twenty fifth as a special holiday in Jesus's honor. Uh, that and many aspects of the you know the Christmas story, quote unquote, a lot of the traditions, uh, you know, traditional elements, I guess, of the Christmas story, like. Uh, the three kings uh, coming to Jesus. Those, you know, we don't see that in the Bible. We're told of magi uh, or wise men or royal viziers who come to him uh, after he is born uh, by following the the sign of the star uh, from the east. And uh, but they're not called kings, and neither are there um, three of them. The Bible never specifies that. The Bible says that there were three gifts that these men brought, uh, but they were never told specifically how many. Uh, kings, or excuse me, how many wise men there there actually were, and we're told, that, and we're also told that they weren't. They're not kings; they were magi, which is a completely different different word. And so many of you know those little things like that can be propagated through song. But there's some other, I think, um, seemingly minute details that can creep into our minds about this time of year, or or the uh, the significance of it, uh, and and you know, do we need to celebrate uh, Christmas as a religious holiday? If we don't, or does that make us a bad Christian? Uh, and, and I don't believe it does. Uh, and you know, much of that thinking, I, I believe, has been propagated. Um, and you know, there's lots of misinformation surrounding this this time of year. All the observances, you know, religious observances that we do to please God have to be authorized by His Word. And if they're not found in the Bible, then uh, we can't have anything to do with them. And, you know, again, it might come as a, a big surprise, but uh, the commands to celebrate, commemorate, uh, or honor the day of uh, Jesus' birth is nowhere mentioned in, in the Bible. Um, you know, Jesus says in John 4, 23 and 24, that we must worship in spirit and in truth. That means according to the truth. So what is revealed in the truth of, of God's word. And he warned many times uh, against going against that, especially with regard to, to made up religion, like in the case of the Pharisees in Matthew 15, 9, he says the, that they worship, uh, they worshiped him in vain. They worship God in vain because they taught as doctrines. In other words, they taught the truth, um, the commandments of men, and Jesus's point is the things that originated from their imagination, that their traditions, and their rituals, and their ceremonies, and and their special days, all those things from their imagination, they are presenting as doctrine. They're presenting as commands from God when they're really not, and that led to their old, their vain, uh, sinful worship. And so the question we have to consider is is whether God has authorized. The religious observance of December 25th or or any other day that people would look to as uh, a day to commemorate Jesus's birth or worship him uh, through some sort of ceremony or tradition like that. And, and it's it's not there. It's it's all of human origin. These little mythologies and these little traditions, uh, you know, from kiss Christmas carols or, or, or elsewhere work our way into work their way into our minds and they and they really change our thinking and our concept, I, I believe, about the the Gospels and the, and the account of Jesus' birth into something like more of a fairy tale or Aesop's fables or something like this, that there's, it's, it's, not, it's not reality. When the Bible is painting a very different picture that this was a dangerous time, this was a dark time, it was still a hate-filled world, people were out seeking the life of Jesus as, as Herod would later, and he killed a bunch of other babies— and and Jesus and his family had to flee to to Egypt to avoid all of that. Of course, that happened uh, later in his uh, his childhood. But ne- nevertheless, it was still a very dark 
dark world. There was chaos and confusion in the small town of Bethlehem. It was a small village then. It's a small town now. And so, it, you know, it's not this nice, serene little picture. And Jesus wasn't this glowing baby with a halo around his head. Uh, you know, that that's not the picture that Scripture is giving us at, at all. That he, in fact, suffered uh, in this dark world and was born into a dark world the way that we all are. And he came to to conquer and defeat the enemy within it and, and, and help us overcome our sin, forgive us of our sins. And it is not by, you know, commemorating his birth or spreading misinformation about his birth that we take advantage of, of what he did or reconciles us to him. It's what, it's what he did as a man. And in fact, you know, the, the day, the, the significant day in the week that we are commanded to observe in the New Testament, the first day of the week when we are supposed to assemble with, with God's people tells us uh, that we are, to, the, the, the scripture tells us we're to observe that and specifically gives us a, an act of worship that we're to do on that day, which is uh, the Lord's Supper to observe or partake in the Lord's Supper. Uh, in which we remember his death, not his birth. And so I think that would come as another surprise to a lot of people that what Jesus himself told us and commanded us to remember, this do in remembrance of me, he says, as he's breaking the bread and he's he's dividing the, the cup among the, you know, the, uh, the grape juice among his disciples there the night before he's killed. Uh, is is his death? Jesus said, "Do this in remembrance of me." The 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 fruit of the vine representing his blood, the bread, his body. Uh, so he didn't attach this uh, significance, at least as far as what we are to remember and and use in in our worship to him to the day of his birth, but rather to the to the day of his death. And I, I think that's lost on a lot of people. I think that would come as a, as a surprise to uh, a lot of people. It certainly did to me when. Um, I was beginning to learn what what the scriptures actually say uh, about about Jesus, and so and and let me add this caveat. You know, I'm not saying uh, you know I don't want you to misunderstand me that I that I'm not saying that this that Jesus's birth was an insignificant event because that's not what the Bible says. I'm I'm just saying we need to be careful that the you know the details that are that kind of work their way into our thinking that aren't originating within the scripture, but rather from Christmas carols and traditions like that, that they don't um, poison our understanding of of the event and give us an unreal um, uh, picture or portrait in, in, in our minds that lead us to, that lead us down some different roads as that, you know, and, and claim that Jesus didn't really fully identify with our uh, humanity or that Mary's birth wasn't, wasn't painful and that there wasn't any suffering involved. Of course, of course there was. And all these attempts to, you know, clean up or sanitize the the event, um, almost mythologize it, have have really taken away from the humanity of it, and thus the, the reality of it. Uh, you know, and the, and the scripture makes a significant point to us that Jesus identified with us in, in every in every way from the time that he entered into the world. Just look at Hebrews chapter two. And, you know, the verse that tells us that he had to be made like his brethren in, in all things. Uh, so uh, let's talk some more about, you know, some Christmas fables, if you will. And, you know, many, I think, Christians who would um, say that they attach a religious significance to uh, December 25th or to any other day would say they're doing it because the Bible says so. It's, you know, the Bible says we are to 
observe uh, this day. However, uh, that's that's not the case. The Bible says nothing about observing any type of memorial of the birth of, of Jesus. Uh, there's no indication in the Bible that Jesus was born on December 25th. The, the date of the birth of Christ is, is not known. The specific date is not known. And the Bible does not tell us a date upon which Jesus is born. Uh, but I think with a little bit of calculation, we can show that it wasn't at all near the date, the day of December 25th. And historians have seen this. And, you know, this is something we put together from the Gospel of Luke. You know, it tells us that Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, was visited by an angel while he was serving in the temple in Luke chapter 1. And um, we know also from Luke chapter 1 and verse 5 that Zacharias was of the priestly division of Abijah. Uh, so why is that significant? Why is that, that there? Well, during the time of David, the priests had been separated into 24 divisions, and those 24 different divisions would uh, serve at different times during the year. So according to whatever division you were a part of, in Zechariah's case, he was part of the division of Abijah. So that would determine when at the time of year he was uh, he was serving. So he was a part of the 8th division out of the 24 we see in First Chronicles 24.10. And so each division served uh, one week uh, each when they would be, uh, and then each division was given two times a year that they would serve. So that's two weeks of, of a division. And so that that divides pretty nicely into a calendar that's that's similar to ours. The Hebrew year begins in the spring uh, in the month of Abib or, or Nisan. So that would be around our, our March or April. So it's a little bit different the way they calculate the beginning of the year, the months of the year, but but roughly the the overall length of the year is is the same. So Based upon that, though, that what we know about that that division when it served, uh, and when Zechariah was serving in the temple, that he received this this vision, we can see that Abijah would have been serving around June or, or November, or June and November. That would have been the two times that they served in the temple. So the visit of the angel to Zechariah was during his time of service in the temple. Luke says in Luke one eight through nine. So again, that would have either been in June. Or November, our time, that the Hebrews would have called those months differently, of, of course. Uh, and his wife, Elizabeth, had conceived after his time of service, Luke says in Luke 1, 23 and 25. And so the Gospel of Luke tells us that when the angel came to Mary, Jesus' mother, and so now we're going to make this connection with the birth announcement of John the Baptist and, and Jesus, in Luke 1, 26 and 36, that the angel came to Mary, Jesus' mother, that was during the sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth. The sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth. So that would place the time of Mary's conception, Jesus' conception, I should say, uh, at in, in Mary's womb at, in either May or December. Again, because we're counting from June and November, six months from, from that time. So six months from the announcement of John the Baptist's uh, um, conception, hit, that Elizabeth was with child, who was Zacharias' wife, when he was serving in the temple means that May or December, uh, Jesus uh, was conceived in, in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. So nine months from May, uh, when Jesus would be born, would place the date of Jesus' birth sometime in February, or nine months from December, again, all depending on when Zacharias was serving in the temple. I know it's kind of, it feels like we're chasing a rabbit here, but, but ultimately that takes us to nine months from May would be sometimes in, sometime in February, or nine months from December, would place his birth in September. So there's no indication in Scripture of what evidence that we have that December 25th was even close to the date of Jesus' birth. 
And the fact is, ultimately what it boils down to is that God did not see fit to reveal the specific date that his son would be born into the world. But he did make a big deal out of and and attach significance to uh, his death and the day specifically that we are to remember and commemorate his death. And that's a weekly a weekly thing we see from the New Testament in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 um, when this Paul met with the disciples in Troas on the first day of the week to observe the Lord's Supper. It was a very big deal to Paul. Paul speaks about it in 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, to a great extent, of course, Jesus at the end of the Gospels, uh, the night before he was crucified, he instituted the Lord's Supper uh, or the breaking of, of, of the bread in order to remember it. Uh, excuse me, remember, celebrate, commemorate his his death. Uh, so uh, the Bible simply does not teach Christians to celebrate or commemorate Christmas. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tell us that the Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof, for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and adequate for every good work. So the Bible, what, what all that means is in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is that the Scriptures provide all we need to know about God's uh, expectations of us and the good works that He has given us to do. And those holy days of December 25th or you know differing dates, I know some cultures celebrate Christmas religiously on, on different dates, uh, but they're nowhere to be found in the Scriptures. And so the, the point is, is that if they're not there, then how could they be defined as good works? Let's talk a little bit more about the, the history now of December 25th. You know, it was in Rome that that was the day that was attested uh, by Romans to be the day of birth, um, Jesus' birth in 336. And so it was introduced by Constantine all the way back there in 336 AD. And he chose that day because there was a already a popular pagan feast of the sun on December 25th. And so what Constantine wanted to remember, he was the Roman emperor who had the vision uh, allegedly of, of, of a cross and, and that led to his conversion as, as an adult and that led to his um, conversion to uh, Christianity. And then he wanted the entire empire you know, to make it the official religion. And so he uh, takes this pagan feast day now, turns it on its head and says, okay, now this is going to be the day uh, by royal edict that we celebrate the birth of Christ. And so he determined that to be the day. So the first mention of observance of December 25th as the as Christmas or as the day of birth or, or celebrating as a religious holiday was in the time of Constantine, almost 400 years after Christ, after the Gospels had been delivered, after all of Paul's writings and everything had been revealed. Uh, so again, that's the origin. It's not biblical in order. That, that day and and the idea of of commemorating and honoring that specific day as Jesus's birth it's it's extra biblical it's out it's out of the bible and we can trace it to this point in history during the reign of Constantine in Rome in 336 and f- furthermore the the catholic church uh, perpetuated this in pope gregory the 1st so he makes this policy with within the church he says that, that the shrines of idols should by no means be destroyed when he's talking about converting uh, pagans and, and, and non-Christians, unbelievers around the world, he says that since they were want to, since they wanted to sacrifice these oxen to, to devils or you know make these animal sacrifices, then some some celebration should be given in exchange for this. And so he said they should celebrate celebrate a religious feast 
and worship God by their feasting on those days so that they could still keep their outward pleasures. And so it was kind of this compromise that he wanted them to make that they, and to make Christianity more palatable to those people who were already uh, feasting and sacrificing oxen to their idols on, on specific days. They were made more ready, according to him, to receive spiritual joys. And so what does that sound a whole lot like? Sounds a whole lot like to me what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 that we mentioned at the beginning of our, our study today in verses 8 and 9 that uh, people worship God in vain when they teach as doctrine the, the precepts of men. When they pass off these edicts and these charges from their imaginations and say, this is what they need to do to worship God. And this is what Pope Gregory did. He said, they let them celebrate or let's just make this pagan feast of a Christian quote-unquote feast and we'll just turn it around and say, well, you're not worshiping these idols, you're worshiping God. Now, even though the scripture nowhere condones this, commands it even. So for a church to attribute to December 25th a special kind of sanctity or sacredness and appoint a feast day and, and things like this, that's without scriptural authority. It's just not in the Bible. Don't you think we, you know, they might say, well, don't you think we need to observe the, the birth of Christ? People often ask this question. Don't you think it's a significant event? And that's not, that's, not the, that's not the point. Of course, I think it's a significant event. It's a wonderful event. And there are many people who, who, who worshipped and understood that, uh, that it was a day in which they needed to, to celebrate. And, and Mary did. And they worshiped God, but as far as uh, um, attaching again like a religious significance to it, like the Sabbath, which was of course done away with now that we have the the new law, it's not the seventh day of the week anymore; it's the first day of the week that we assemble and and worship. And so, attaching some sort of significance like that, that we observe it in perpetuity, that's nowhere to be found in in Scripture. But that, but it was a significant day. Second Peter one and verse three tells us that. Again, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything I need to know of a religious nature, not only a moral nature, but a religious nature and things pertaining to worship and what I need to do in order to uh, to honor God, Peter makes it clear. That's all been revealed. It's all been revealed in the Bible. And 1 Peter 4.11 says that if I speak, I must speak as the oracles of God. In other words, if I whatever I teach and what I speak, I, I need to make sure that it has God's stamp of approval, that it, in fact, that it didn't originate with me, in other words, but it originates within the oracles or the word of God. So if God would have wanted me, wanted us to observe a special day to remember the, the birth of Christ, he would have told us, is the point, that the Bible, that Peter is making, that Paul is making. Um, so again, it's not a, I don't want you to misunderstand me, I'm not saying that it wasn't a day that was insignificant, it was, of course, a very significant, significant day. And even though most of the world did not rejoice and people hated Jesus, there were still people like Simeon and Anna and, of course, Mary, who later bursted into song at the temple when Jesus is circumcised and uh, they bring their, their sacrifices in accordance with the, the law. Um, but, you know, again, Paul says in Galatians 4 and verses 8 through 10 that, they, you know, the Galatians were returning to practices different from the true gospel, and, he, and Paul, couldn't, Paul couldn't believe it. So he says this, in Galatians 4, verses 8 through through 10, he says, You did not know God when you were slaves to those things which by nature are no gods, but now that you've come to know God, or whether it be known by God, how is it that you're turning back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over, labored over you in vain. And so Paul is 
you know, he's talking about those Jewish uh, feasts and holidays and and things like this. And in the Colossians chapter 2, the church at Colossae was struggling with this also. Paul's saying that, you know, no one's to be your judge in regard to these these days and these in these feasts, and you don't need to be feel compelled to observe these things when they're not part of the gospel. They're not part of the gospel. They're not part of what I told you. There's more to it than this. It's not just about a religious observance of a, of a day or celebrating a day. And this is, it goes deeper than that. And also, and also, those things aren't authorized. Is the point? So this led to Paul fearing again that his efforts to teach them the truth had been in in vain. You know, the dates of Christmas and Easter and other other days, religious days typically associated with the Catholic Church, were chosen to coincide with pagan holy days. And so they, these people were being enslaved in a way they weren't completely liberated from, from those things. And so they still maintained part of their slavery to uh, those observing those days. And many practices involved are pagan and apostate in origin, you know, to observe those days religiously and the and the, the symbols and the trees and, and the different things like this um, involved and originated in pagan practices. And so we're not to have any fellowship. The New Testament teaches us certainly that we're not to have fellowship with those kinds of practices. And that's what Paul is doing here. No one in the Bible ever observed an annual religious holiday in memory of Jesus' birth. Nor does the Bible ever authorize the practice. It's completely a, a human religious ritual formed in pagan idolatry and religious apostasy. And so this idea, again, that the day is significant or that uh, as, as some churches or some folks would teach that attendance, church attendance is more important on Christmas than any other time, uh, that's that's completely, uh, you know, from, again, man's imagination. You know, the, I think... Most people in the religious world, uh, even in, even among Protestants, even if they're going to accept the authority, even if they don't accept the authority of the Catholic Church, they still believe it's more important, you know, say at Easter or Christmas than any other times. And so that that's an inevitable per, perversion that I think occurs whenever people in our own minds, under our own authority, make a special time of year more important religiously than any other times. Well, this is a time you need to be more cheerful and more giving or more thankful or whatever the case may be. People will inevitably inevitably begin to think that it's more important to be religious than at other times and on other days. Uh, when the Bible says we can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, Hebrews 10, 25, that we have to meet with God's people. It's not just once a year, twice a year obligation. It's, it's not just relegated to that, but we should be there whenever the church meets. And specifically, we should meet for the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, as often as that comes. Not just once a year or every day, but 52 times a year, the first day of the week. So when people act by human authority, especially when they adopt pagan practices, which are steeped from evil, as we as we saw, you know, sacrificing, you know, bulls and goats to oxen and, you know, other kinds of immorality, you know, that that translates to a perverted religious practice and authorized and unauthorized religious practice and that error continues through the generations it's not just it's not coincidence it's not just incidental um, but it's it's inherent to their error so what should we observe you know as i've mentioned several times already matthew 26 26 through 30 where jesus institutes the lord's supper uh, and paul in 1 corinthians 11 23 through 26 christians are commanded to observe the Lord's Supper. That's the approved apostolic example, not from Pope Gregory or not from Constantine or anybody else, but from the Bible. 
Christians we see were commanded in churches all over the world in Corinth or Thessalonica or or Philippi or Troas. They did this on the first day of the week, and they took the Lord's Supper of the bread and the fruit of the vine, death, burial, and, and resurrection. We see that this was the only special, the only special observance the New Testament authorized, just as it was apostasy for the northern kingdom of Israel to establish its own holy days, it would be apostasy for the church to observe man-made holy days. So finally, in our last couple of minutes here, I just want to conclude with uh, some significant points that the Bible makes, that the, that the Bible um, says attaches significance to, to Jesus' birth. So what what did it mean? If we're not to celebrate December 25th or attach special significance to it uh, religiously because you know Jesus was born, as we've seen, he wasn't born on December 25th. He couldn't have been, um, but we don't, aren't given the exact date. But what does the Bible say is the significance of his birth? Well, it revealed uh, his identity as the promised Messiah. You know, Luke 2, 25 through 35, you look at that uh, account of Simeon and Anna there, the prophetess, Anna, who confirmed his identity. And it came to he came to become our high priest and sacrifice, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, uh, as it says that he was made like his brethren in all things so that he could become our perfect and high priest and, and sacrifice for us. He can sympathize with us, but he does not tolerate sin. He came... That was the very purpose he came. He came to save sinners, to forgive us of our sins, and he demands, commands us to to repent. Uh, the significance of of Jesus's birth and his coming into the world was so that you and I could have hope, not to have a special day out of the year that we celebrate and and eat lots of good food and open gifts. Nothing wrong with that in and of itself, but to to do it religiously or to say that it's Jesus's birthday. When the scripture again attaches no such significance or even identifies it as as the day would be would be wrong. It's not um, that would be from our imaginations completely. Uh, but we've seen what day we are to observe. We have to recommit ourselves to the authority of God's word, and regardless of what the rest of the religious world is doing or what other churches would have us believe and other doctrines, uh, we have to submit to what what the Bible teaches, even if it, as I said, flies in the face of the rest of the religious religious world. Well, I hope this has been a beneficial beneficial study. Uh, it's never a popular study, but nevertheless, I, I think it's important that we uh, distinguish between what the Bible authorizes and what man is, is authorizing. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.